0: Would you like to be able to start conversations like a pro? Take The Sunday World, your daily dose of what's going on. Do not consume The Sunday World if you're involved in a drug cartel, you're a politician with something to hide, or you've appeared on a reality TV show and care about others' opinions. Consume The Sunday World responsibly. Always read the stories, gossip and commentary.
1: You can't beat the sound of a contented cat. Check out my new show, Nicola Talent, presents Getting Away With Murder, live at Liberty Hall on September 20th. Brought to you by MCD. Tickets on sale at ticketmaster.ie.
0: Once the Criminal Access Bureau, once they start the machine rolling, it doesn't really stop. It just keeps going. And like, OK, it's a small town. It's not a big international drug dealer. But, you know, it's somebody who's, you know, a corrosive influence in, in a small town, in a Community. It keeps the criminal justice system on its toes, that, you know, the best minds are there and they're getting paid. Nobody's cutting corners and, and, you know, justice is being seen to be done, which I think is important.
1: I'm Nicola Tallent and you're listening to Crime World, a podcast about criminals, drugs and the sins of the underworld in Ireland and across the globe. From a notorious robber who splurged on properties and a six-week Florida holiday to a gangland criminal whose Dublin mammy tried to help him get back his cash in the attic. The targets of the Criminal Assets Bureau are both wide and varied. Today, I'm talking to journalist Eamon Dillon as we dip into the latest cab listings before the High Court and give listeners a snapshot of their work. We talk about the colourful and eagle-eyed judge who presides over the list, about the cases that come before him And about the lengths that some will go to hang on to their ill gotten gains. This is Crime World, a podcast from SundayWorld.com. Amen. You were attending the uh, monthly cab list this week and I just asked you, I'm so glad you want to talk about this because, uh, yeah, this is a bit train spottery. But anyway, Justice Alexander Owens, who presides over the um, the cab, the Criminal Assets Bureau lists, he's a bit of a
0: character, isn't he? Yeah, he he seems the perfect fit for it, though, as well. Um, but it's certainly, mm. it's not the place you'd want to go in, half-cocked as a, a barrister, going in, in front of Alex Owens and not having your, you know, not being right across your brief because if there's a mistake, he'll point it out to you. Um, and, like, he's, it's like he, he's read the brief for both sides perfectly and then he's sitting on the bench yeah. and he's, he's there to make the judgment. But he goes to incredible trouble to make sure he understands everything. And I think... He seems to be quite the expert on on sort of you know questions of tax on 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 accountancy and about how accountancy is done like he he's he's all over the the difference between net and gross figures and expenses and revenue returns and whether something is reported to the your accountant doesn't necessarily mean it's true you know he he's he's incredibly evidential based like everything has to be you know, backed up by by something, you know, the way they work in that you'll have um, a chief cab officer will make a statement of belief. And that's put in an affidavit. And so and so was a serious criminal. And that we believe this house was bought for that from the proceeds of crime. And then all the supporting affidavits are brought in from different people who've number crunched and gone through all the bank accounts or, or dug up the bucket with the cash net mm-hmm. or whatever they've done to show where the money has come from. And, and that's all he's interested in. I mean, he interestingly enough, in one of the cases um, this week, he he said something along the lines of in reply to one of the barristers who talked about, you know, the societal good that, you know, that the criminal assets legislation does. Um, and he said, look, it doesn't come into it. He said it's got nothing to do with it. It's all about whether or not an asset was purchased with the proceeds of crime. And that any, you know, and that was his view. Like, you know, as far, look, it seemed as far yeah. as he is concerned, any any benefit to society accruing from that, well, that's just, you know, it's a lucky bonus, but it, it's not the job of the legislation to, to, to take that into account. And he certainly doesn't. Mm.
1: No, I mean, from the moment he started and he's actually kind of new enough to it, I think he's there maybe two years and maybe it's three. We all seem to have lost a couple of years. Um, and he certainly was sitting during COVID at any time he could. He was in the courtroom. He was on top of his game with the remote hearings he rushes, he doesn't rush things through, but he he gets things through the courts. He's anything but dithering. And yeah, I agree with you. I think he's the perfect fit for the Criminal assets Bureau cases. They're complex. You know, they are very largely mathematical and he has the certainly the brain power for it. You know, somebody could come in and kind of think he's a bit of a walkover and he's absolutely anything but. He's, he's absolutely all over um, both sides and definitely can correct and point out mistakes to them. So anyway, that was... Actually, that before, out of the you way. F-
0: before you finish on that, even like during COVID, he, he mentioned in yeah. one of the cases this week, there was a big a big chunk of, of the affidavits where, where the ins and outs of these um, bank accounts. And he said, well, look, I actually read them. He says, I went through them all during COVID. He said, I was bored and I sat at the kitchen table and went yeah. through them all. So there's no need to go through everything and kind of gave a quick synopsis. And, you know, the the Council for the States kind of more or less, yeah, that's right. And on they went. So, like, he, uh-huh. he's, incredibly, he's, he's incredibly good at, at shortcutting. And I, one of his, his final lines, um, before he was reserving judgment in another case, um, and he just said, look, I, he says, the first thing I do is, is look at what the silent witnesses tell me. So that's all that kind of paperwork and certification yes. and, you know, the stories from, you know, from the affidavits. And, and, and it's only then he'll go back to see, you know, the various people with their access to grind, as he put it, he'll go back and see what they say, and if it don't coincide, he'll make his judgment based based on that. So he's quite a forensic sort of yeah, uh, judge. Yeah, he's,
1: he's not the man to try and pull one over on now, I can tell you. So the cab uh, lists, as they call it, come up once a month uh, during court terms, and they're basically... You know, there's cases that can be heard, that are ready to be heard. There's cases that are for mention. Some of them seem to kick along for years on end on the the court. Some of them will disappear off into criminal proceedings and then they'll come back. Sometimes they'll be adjourned if there is a criminal proceeding going alongside it. Um, And others, there'll be appeals and various things like that which can delay them. But, um, you know, you'll always find... A juicy story on the cab list. And if you go and sit in the courtroom, and any member of the public is welcome to do that, um, you can be um, entertained, shall we say, by some of the stories and the background to some of these cases. Now, we're just going to take a little snapshot shot at one day of these proceedings, um, just to see who's, who's up, who's getting their money taken, um, and who's going to be able to keep the keys of the house. Um, and you were in this week. The High Court, of course, is where it happens. These are civil proceedings, Eamon.
0: Yeah, they're, they're not criminal proceedings. So, so the kind of the the level of proof isn't the same as a criminal level. It's on the balance of probabilities as opposed to beyond all reasonable doubt. So, basically, if if um, if somebody said they bought, you know, three hundred sixty five thousand euro worth of a house, as Stefan Saunders said and he, he, he paid his mortgage through his plastering business, but there was absolutely no evidence that, you know, a plastering business was ever worked at, then, you know, the, that's, the, that's the case pretty much proved. I think the legislation was, was clever in that sense when it was first brought in, that it switched the onus of proof onto the, onto the accused, so that if, if you have, you know, two million quid, there has, to be a, there has to be a logical explanation for it. So it's either you got it from crime or you got it from legitimate sources... So, and if you can't prove you got it from legitimate sources and, you know, mm. guards are giving a- evidence to say N- Nicola Talent is, is the leader of an organized crime group, then, you know, if you have this two million quid, like, you know, in your bathroom, th- that has to be explained, you know, and you can't just say, well, I was playing cards for a week in, in Macau or somewhere or in Hong Kong, like you'll actually have to go and get the, the plane tickets and the CCTV from the casino and receipts and you, you will have to prove it. Otherwise, they'll say, no, that's... that's just on the balance of probability, that's not true. That's money from, you know, from criminal activity and we're taking it and that's it. Yeah. And they look for where
1: the money goes into accounts or whether if it's cash in the attic, where it could possibly be from. People come up with all sorts of excuses. A lot of the time um, I've sat through these cab cases, there's been an awful lot of uh, people claiming that they've been gifted this money or cash to buy houses, etc., from their parents. And often enough parents are wheeled in sometimes even in wheelchairs to give evidence to that um, to say the same and sometimes it's believed sometimes it's just there's just not enough uh, in it now Stefan Saunders you mentioned he was up he has been trucking along in that cab list for a couple of years now he's um, known or suspected of being a, a prolific tiger kidnapper a man who has just been released recently from prison after serving time for his role in a ATM, attempted ATM robbery. Uh, so good criminal pedigree there, but he's been looking for free legal aid. Is he still at that or has he been refused that?
0: Well, the... the... He, I, to be honest with you, I'm not sure where that ended up. Um, mm. Like he, they made a they made a big deal of looking for it and pointed out the fact that he hadn't worked since he got out of jail. He was on his 200 euro a, a week social welfare, and his wife Tammy was on 350 euro from the the pandemic unemployment payments at the time. Uh, and you know they had expenses of 2,300 a month. You know, including uh, you know whatever bills they had to pay. I think they would actually stopped paying the mortgage on the house at the time. So, I mean, they were, they were making the case Look, they can't fight a high court case. They can't afford to pay for, for senior counsel to take this on. And it's not only the likes of counsel you need, you also need account, forensic accountants. You need possibly, you know, um, some of these, these kind of tax consultants to, to produce an expert report to show that, you know, your, your expenditure, your outgoings did actually match your legitimate outcome or your, your legitimate income. Uh, you know, whereas you know the cab have all those officers themselves who would have done all that work when they have built the case against the like the likes of Saunders. Uh, so I, I mean, like, what was interesting, I think, about the hearing this week, it was actually it was actually the hearing. It was finally, you know, I think it's a I think it's a it's a twenty twenty case. So it, like, it was filed in twenty twenty. Yeah, in 2020. It's been there for a while. Now, now presumably, mm. I, I think that the investigation by cab I think might have started back in twenty sixteen when when. Uh, he went into custody for the dunboyne robbery um, but it like it turned up in in court yesterday it like in a way it's funny how these things work it, it mentioned um a relative of his wife had been invested investigated by cab in two thousand and five around that period, and that some of his bank accounts were looked at at the time, and nothing untoward was found now this was used by his counsel his defense counsel to say look you know it, it's it's not it's not in the it's not justice to, to, you know, to go back over his accounts again and now suddenly find, you know, errors with them that, you know, or, or, you know, uh, warning flags or whatever you want to call it um, this time around. Whereas, you know, the last time there was nothing wrong, so why should you be looking at them so closely? And they were actually trying to make the argument that when he went on the kind of the acquisition period, as they called it, when he bought two houses, including his family home in in Clonny, uh they were trying to make the point that at this stage he didn't have any convictions that his first conviction which is true um didn't happen until the 2016 robbery for which he got 10 years and that before that all his income was legitimately earned and you know they were trying to say he ran a plastering business uh i think uh and then and and his wife tammy had you know she was she was involved in various businesses one of them was um uh, curtains and blinds uh they, they were also they'd taken over as a going concern the hair salon in Finglas um the manager there was kept on but all the staff were basically made redundant and the new staff were, were a lot of them were relatives of of the the Saunders this is you know this is what it was said in in, in court yesterday yeah and then of course you know with the they the kind of they go like you're saying you know members of the public would be welcome to come along, to go, to come along and watch but I don't think they'd be thanking you <laughs> Uh, Nicola, because like some of it is pretty, uh, it's pretty arcane so and, and it's it's like, you're kind of sitting there wondering, I hope eventually at the end of this big long, uh, you know, to and fro about bank accounts, they're going to do in a nice simple line for us simple journalists to understand. But I mean, they were talking about the 360 paid on, on his on, his, on his clan E-home uh, back in, I think it was 2005 or 2006. And that, you know, $50,000 of a gift from, uh, you know, a relative, and then there was, uh, there was, I think, another fourteen thousand in, in you know a, a, a kind of costs, and that certain things were paid for in cash. That the the mortgage was paid from these companies that were basically you know described as money laundering you know exercises. So I mean, you're, you're basically you, you get a legitimate mortgage on, on the back presumably uh, his application, like you know included his his tax returns or you know his you know his company returns, or he was self employed as a plaster. Um, so, so, this would have been kind of self declared. So, I mean, there was never any kind of, there was never an accountant pouring through invoices or anything like that. So, I mean, accountants take people at their word and, and do their, do their revenue returns for them. So, again, there was no evidence found of, of this, this work being done. Um, and there was one hundred and twenty thousand extension done on his house, which was paid for in cash. And then the relative who lent him the Gee, fifty grand—that's
1: I mean, uh, a uh, phenomenal uh, amount of cash. I mean, isn't it one hundred and twenty thousand?
0: Yeah. no, they were—they try to make the argument then that well, look, this is the valuation by CAB, but you know, when you're paying cash, you get things a bit cheaper. Um, you know, and again, this is something that Judge Owens would would pick up on and say well that's that's you know quite probably true but even if you say it's only 40 grand like where did the 40 grand come from i suppose at 120 oh my God! but the 50 grand say loan or gift whatever it was from the, from the relative then that went back to the relative in terms of they got a refurbishment done on their house um and, and again there was kind of a, a calculation of how much that cost and you know was it equivalent to the 50 grand or a bit less thirty two thousand. And, and, and you know, and funny enough, there, there was um, a, they 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 took out a top up mortgage, which they ended up using then to buy a luxury car, a, a BMW X5, I think, or something like that. It was at the top end, um, and there was a valuer from a bank had come out to look at the house for this top up, you know, this top top up mortgage, and remarked about the high standard of the work that had been carried out, and it was you know really done to the, the nth degree, and that was you know uh, you know it was a, a stylish job, well done. So it kind of, you know, there was obviously no expense spared in in this in this extension, which obviously his side then were trying to claim that it wasn't all about,
1: you know, uh,
0: um, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't necessarily as much as as Cab were trying to claim it was. This is the house at Hazelbury Park we're talking about, which is the family home.
1: That's correct. yeah. 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 Because, do you know that house? And it, it is beautifully done, actually, because uh, I've seen it. I haven't been in it, but I've seen it on uh, Facebook or one of these things. Somebody was showing it off, probably, I think, maybe his wife. Um, and it is actually really tastefully done and uh, very well plastered, I have to say. But only because back in the day, I certainly after the, the, um, the ATM raid, the, it was suspected that he at that point had collected six million and they reckoned that he was a cash spender. He ha- had it in cash. And when at one point there was a raid on his house and the guardy went through the ca- cavity walls because that's where they reckoned that the, the money was. They were sure that there was money in the cavity walls, found nothing, but they had to get replastered. So that's why it looks so well. Um If the same thing happened to my house, I'd probably do the same. But uh, I can tell you, nobody's going to be finding anything in the cavity walls of mine. Um, So they're cab are ultimately looking, are they, to take this home from him and his wife? To seize it and to forfeit it to basically to the state?
0: Yeah. I mean, basically what they were looking for this week was a ruling, um, as far as I understand it. Um, They were just looking for a ruling that it was bought with the proceeds of crime. And then the next step after that, then, is to get the order... That it'd be turned over, and then mm-hmm. of course, you know, like the, so, the, the judge hasn't actually made his his ruling on it yet. So presumably that can be appealed, and then if it is ruled the proceeds of crime, then the the the, the next court order, you know, uh, telling the Saunders to hand yeah. over the home, now, presumably that can be appealed as well, or they can try and sit uh-huh. tight for as long as they can, as another 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 criminal <laughs> uh, was was doing um, this week as well you can just sit tight and and wait until they kind of more or less threaten you with a contempt of court and put you in jail before you finally, you know, hand over the keys and walk away.
1: And you know, in some cases they they do. It's like any civil proceedings. In some cases I think that when, you know, the heat dies down on it and maybe they they realize that, you know, this is, you know, we're going to lose the house. Sometimes they come to the table and they do a settlement and they'll come up with money to pay off or whatever, or they could do a deal. And the criminal assets bureau are perfectly entitled to and able to do that in the same way um, you know, an individual would be, because in the long term it saves money on legal fees, uh, court dates, etc., and you can it can work out the best for everybody. So anyway, the Saunders aren't uh, at the position that they want to give over their no, no. I mean, stage. yeah, they were,
0: they were they were fighting it. They were fighting it all the way. And I mean, they went through. Like, I mean, they they pretty they pretty much tried to have an answer for everything the um, the, the criminal bureau came up with. And and they in turn had answering affidavits rebutting the the, the case. Like, I mean, like for instance, you, um, I think uh, Tammy's affidavit that the, the the blinds and and curtain firm, you know, how could it be a, a money laundering vehicle? that was almost, you know, there was very little going through it and. And, and you know, it was a, it was a it was just a cottage industry set up by her mother in two thousand and four, and you know there was really you know she'd worked there as a kid, and you know it only just kind of got more involved when she was eighteen, and that you know it was, it was you know it was describing it almost like a kind of a, a paid hobby rather than than a than a, than a business, but um, I, I don't think that was I, well. It's hard to you know I, I don't think that was necessarily. Um, Taken on board by by the, the cab officials and I think they came back with their own affidavit explaining it in 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 extreme accountancy details which are way beyond me to be honest. <laughs> so this will probably continue
1: to go back and forth and you know it will it will eventually culminate in, you know, there'll be a decision made and then whatever. But in just to go back to the free legal aid before we go on to some of the other cases you heard. But that free legal aid, Gilligan obviously got it because he was the first case, one of the first big cases up. And because he got free legal aid, that's why he appealed everything all the way and didn't it go on for 20 odd years and cost the state 20 million and all the rest of it. And I think in more recent times, the criminal assist pure, because when they were established, they would nothing to look back on. They were just fresh agency and uh, they were learning all the time. But I think nowadays, when any of these people do apply for free legal aid, they fight that all the way and as strongly as they can. Most notably, the Burn Organised Crime Group went in and applied for free legal aid when they took the case against them. And uh, the affidavits that the Criminal Assets Bureau put to the courts to object to that free legal aid literally blew open that whole organisation from the point of view of what we could report on. Everybody was named. Many of them were on social welfare while also believed to be bringing in millions of euro from from drug dealing. Um, and they they ultimately lost the case for free legal aid and they had it settled up within weeks after that because they weren't prepared to put their hands into their own pockets to, to fight the, the law uh, or the state. So anyway, going back to who else was up and what else did you
0: hear? Well, the other kind of, it was an interesting one, I think, came up. Um, and again, I, I, you can show you, a, a, like, I suppose in a sense, free legal aid um, doesn't come into this one Dean Russell. And he's been described as a veteran gangster uh, with lots of links to um, feuding gangs in Kulak and the north inner city Dublin. He's, his brother, Anthony Russell, was shot dead by... Um, i think the gang that were opposed to christy griffin if you remember that that kind of oriel yeah. street feud it was called is pretty pretty nasty one um and i think and R- russell himself was was the subject of two assassination attempts uh, uh, like two separate ones a couple of years apart by some pretty heavyweight criminals as well um and you know you know he and that, that was that was all the kind of in the the affidavit in the original cab hearing which i think was in about 2014 uh, where, where they kind of outlined you know his criminal background and that that the i think it was an apartment in Santry and an apartment in malaga and and his family home in, in it's in a north part of dublin and and that, they, that these were the assets that they were going after now he he kind of he represented himself and he, he he when the ruling went against him he appealed it to the Um, the appeal courts they were saying last Thursday that there was even documentation lost regarding his file in in 2019 when it went to the 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 court of appeal so again this is this is a case when you look up the case number it's a 2010 case I don't think it actually reached the courts Mm. until 2011 Uh, there wasn't a ruling until 2014 he appealed it in 2019 uh Uh, He lost that. The the judgment came in 2020. He lost that. And then we found out on on Thursday that he had since been refused permission uh, to bring it to the Supreme Court. All all done, you know, under his own steam. He didn't have a solicitor representing him because obviously he didn't have free legal aid. Um, And he had informed Cab that he wasn't going to be there on Thursday. And there was evidence. Well, there was there was affidavits read out or information read out to the court that like he was still in occupation of the House. There was proof of the service of the uh, of the the order on him that he knew about it, and the judge more or less more or less said, right, I'm going to give you the order and I'm going to commit him to prison for contempt of court, but I'm going to stay it until Monday morning. So uh, so that's that's kind of where Dean Russell stands now. I mean, and it kind of his appeal really centered on the family home, which he said was his, you know, a home and included four adults living there. Um, like so, presumably the, the apartment in Santry and Malaga, that you know he's accepted that, and I, I think there was it mentioned that there had been receivers appointed to those two properties. So presumably they've since been disposed of, and whatever cash has gone back to to, to the, the exchequer for that. What kind of age is he Eamon Russell? What what kind of age is he? To be fair to him now, I think he's about fifty-two or three. Um, but right. he, He's not someone. He, he's he's not someone that would have been kind of hitting the headlines from our point of view, but obviously. Mm. The guards were taken very seriously. His kind of most serious conviction he seems to have is from a post office robbery in in the nineties. And Having said that, he bought his house for fifty three thousand euro in ninety five. So obviously,
1: yeah.
0: I suppose the the as far as the guards the guards are concerned, that certainly helps him get on the the property ladder. The his his real business of um, of being a bank robber or a post office robber.
1: He's Sounds like the kind of guy that's incensed that, you know, the cab should come looking for his home. You know, a lot of this this belief that people have, I mean, he's representing himself, obviously. He's somebody who has survived assassination attempts. Rattling up to court on particular days probably isn't ideal for him, but nonetheless, he's been attending somewhat, although not in the last occasion. Um, a lot of these criminals get this you know, sense of how unfair it is that
0: the Criminal Assets Bureau should come after them at all, don't they? They just... Yes, just because it's criminal money doesn't mean it wasn't hard-earned, I think, it's the kind of the exactly. philosophy, yeah, like, you know, you can kind of understand that to some it. extent, but it's, I suppose when you break the rules, oh, well, but well, the bankers do it as well, so why can't we do it? But that's beside the point. And I mean, how many
1: times have we heard that, yeah? <coughs> and,
0: and, certainly, and it's there is a point to it well it 's not a valid one i w- i wouldn 't think like you know and I mean oh. just because someone else is doing something wrong doesn 't mean you should you know get away with it as well I mean as far as i 'm concerned, lock up the 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 bankers and the bank robbers like if they're if they 're doing something yeah. wrong, but I mean, like Dean Russell certainly seemed to have a chip in his shoulder you know because he, he has actually given a few interviews to the media over the years, and one of them in two thousand and eighteen mm. he went on to joe duffy 's lifeline to complain about the heavy handed guards like now, this is the same organization that saved his life on two occasions previously. And he's ringing up, he's ringing up Joe Duffy to give out about the fact that they were banging on his door at five to four in the morning to serve a warrant as far as he was, as far as he said for speeding. So, you know, he says, I thought there was, you know, he said, I thought there was someone dead that reminded me of, you know, when my brother had been shot, this is all stuff he said to Joe Duffy. Um, and that you know he wasn't going to allow himself be taken away and and humiliated as he called it so he hopped out the back window and ran off according to his own account and then surrendered himself to the guards later on his own terms so i think that gives you an idea of i suppose his mindset i mean when he spoke yeah. to he spoke to our colleague neil feddiston in in 2015 shortly after the <clears throat> the last attempt on his life and <clears throat> again it was the same thing of like i don't know who these guys are i wouldn't even know i wouldn't even know them to see and he said, "You know, I don't owe anyone any money, and you know, and if there was a problem, I'd know about it. So you can, you, it's kind of he's trying to have his cake and eat it, in bo- and, you know, in, in both ways. And he mentioned the yeah. fact that he was a chairman of a local football club, and he just wanted to live life. And he was upset that his family and his name was being dragged into all this, and and you know, admittedly, he did have a little, a bit of a dealing with the cab in the past, but that was all behind him now. So anyway, that's that's still yeah, taken away. Yeah. But it does show you though how once the criminal assets bureau." once they start the machine rolling, it doesn't really stop. It just keeps going.
1: Yeah, you may give up something because they're, they're not going to walk away empty-handed. Isn't that it? Um, was there something about the Waldrons up?
0: Oh, yeah, David Waldron was back again, yeah. I mean, I think, was it, I think in May I was there and there was some good stuff about the, um, again, it was the legal aid issue, which they had successfully yeah. got legal aid. Himself and his wife again, um, and the Criminal Assets Bureau had gone, to, taken it to the appeal court, and it was appealed. And I think the the, the and CAB won that case, so it, it had bounced back now again to the Proceeds of Crime Court, and they were also saying that not only not only like did they win the appeal, but there was now new evidence to show that they had more unexplained spending, including five grand that they spent in a hotel for a christening party. And they were trying to explain then there was, there was uh, I think he was dealing cars on done deal. So he suggested then in one affidavit that one of these cars that they'd sold off was only for a couple hundred quid. And it was just something, it was a little hobby that his nine-year-old son was involved in, that his son was actually doing up cars. And, and that's where some of the money was coming from. So, but anyway, look, yeah, this week it came up again in terms of they were looking in for a very specific um, I suppose, help. They're looking for free legal aid. They were looking for the equivalent of €11,000. And the reason it's equivalent was because they were looking for a forensic accountant based outside the jurisdiction, I think in either Northern Ireland or the UK, who was going to go through the CAB file and obviously put a report together and an affidavit so that they could try and rebut the case against them. So, sorry, just they're
1: looking for free legal aid for to pay a forensic accountant to go through the Criminal Assets Bureau documents to see what they can find that's wrong. So in other words, they're looking for the state to pay, for the taxpayer to pay for that.
0: Yeah, that's it. Yes, yeah, I think you put it a bit more succinctly than I did, Nicola. Yeah, but that's it. Yeah, absolutely. And again, uh, I think Judge Owens, with his, his, his typically uh, forensic mind himself, he said, um, yeah, he would. Like, he, he agreed to do it. Now, the argument from Cab was like, you know, both the fees and the hourly rates, you know, and the time going to be taken were excessive. And Judge Jones says, well, look, he said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a ruling that they're going to get free legal aid based on how long it took me to read the file. And he basically said that was, you know, 8,000 euro. So he, he partially gave them uh, what they wanted, right. but he, he did his own calculations on how much he felt it should cost straight there and then. I mean, this is the type of argument that, you know, in, in other courts could go on for days about, you know, and you'd have to bring in an expert to say, well, how long will it take you to read the file? Like, exactly. You know, and, yeah. So, I mean, and everyone good.
1: would have to pay. Yeah.
0: So, in one sense, you can, It's it's a simple enough thing. And 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 to be honest, like that, when you say it's coming out of the taxpayers' money, it'll probably eventually come out of the seized assets. Like when they eventually do lose the case, which you know, like they don't seem to have an answerable case. From you know, from from what I've heard in court. I mean, you've been in there as well, and I mean, there's a huge amount. I think it's two point nine million of unexplained wealth. I mean, you you can't kind of. Like there's no, there's no easy way to disguise. At the centre of it is this house down in
1: Wicklow, Wexford Way. In Wexford, and yeah, Darview It is called. It yeah. is in Wexford, that's right, Darview, yeah, yeah. I can actually see it. I could, I could get there if somebody put me back into the area. But tell me what county it is in it from here and I don't know. Anyway, Wexford, thank you. Um, it is absolutely stunning, this house. Architect designed um, you know, attractive looking from the front, but from the back, it has these sort of like three levels of views overlooking the mountains and the, you know, the, the rolling countryside, the rolling hills. Um, you know, these superb glass balconies, windows everywhere. There isn't a little bit of the view that hasn't been captured within the house. There's a paddocks outside it. I mean, it is just gorgeous. And this was the holiday home. Um, you know, and uh, I think, Nicola, again, you should, you I should become a,
0: an estate agent the way you're selling that property. I Listen, do you know what?
1: I'm not able for this cab stuff anymore. I've decided I can't even go there and I go in and when I hear them looking for free legal aid, I get myself into this like knot of rage and I get all tense and everything. I wouldn't be able for it. I wouldn't be able to work in the criminal Assets bureau. I'm just saying now and, uh, you know, I can dip in and out of it, but I can feel myself even getting worked up here now. Talking about it, well, I mean, I think in, okay. in the long in the long run, run
0: it's, it, I think in the long run, a lot of a lot of this, a lot of these fees would be recovered. I, you know, I, it, it's, you know, I mean, I think I think Waldron was the first of, you know, since Judge Jones point, he was the f- he was the first to start looking for free legal aid, um, and the fact that you know you're entitled to free legal aid when it's a criminal case, it doesn't matter who you are, you know, if, <clears throat> if you are on serious charges and you can argue I know people say it's you know why should we pay for criminals well the point is you'd have a very different view of it if, if you're the victim of some kind of a, you know a conspiracy or somebody's cocked up the investigation or people are flat out lying about you or whatever you'd be very thankful that <clears throat> you don't have to pay for the, basically the best barristers that are available and in, and in fairness it keeps the criminal justice system on its toes that you know the best minds are there and they're getting paid and you know and and nobody's nobody's cutting corners and and you know justice is being seen to be done which i think is important whereas you know if you compare it to a system like the states where you're rewarded for snitching and you know the, mm-hmm. the, the the wealthy you are basically the more trouble you can tend to buy yourself out of you know i mean you know it's rich man's justice in the u.s whereas i mean here like i mean in fairness it is egalitarian in that sense now there's no free legal aid when it comes to civil cases i mean uh, and otherwise, I mean, you could clog up the system with, you know, people accusing people of leaving their bins in the wrong place outside their house if they didn't have to pay the ten grand to go to the high court to get an injunction to stop me putting my bins in the wrong place so <clears throat> you can see why in, in that sense like, you know, it, it, you can't have free legal aid in, in, in the civil court I suppose in the criminal access sphere, it's slightly different, it is a civil court but it's it's touching on criminal matters, but it's not a criminal trial either, so yeah, you know, it's, so I suppose it's open, and I think uh, like Joe Jones has been taking it on a case by case basis, you know. You know, so I mean, mm-hmm. you just have to keep going in, in in that regard.
1: He has, and I think probably I know I'm I'm calmed down now. Thank God, there's one of us sensible today, um, you know. But I I um, I think actually, funny enough. Joe Jones is willing to hear both sides and maybe in some cases that the argument against the free legal legal aid isn't robust enough from the cab. And that's probably why he's granting it, you know, but anyway, so I'll, we'll move on from that. Was anybody in court?
0: Uh, no, no, there, there was, there was, there, there were two smaller cases. Um, and, you know, and, and that actually didn't, didn't, you know, they didn't come to any conclusion and I'm, I'm hanging on to the information for a little bit longer than I turn out to be decent yeah. stories down the line but uh, although one of them um, <clears throat> speaking of of money being suspected of being hidden in cavity blocks in one case uh, the money was actually found behind the molding in in someone's house Ooh. uh so so it does happen so i mean being a plasterer in that okay. regard might be successful but that wasn't the stefan saunders case it was another one that's still taking a along yeah. and i mean th- that gentleman did turn up in court and interrupted once or twice and was you know was, was, and I think, and at one point then went, opened his mouth only to have Judge Jones kind of loudly say no. <laughs> and then nice. there was, there was another, <laughs> another, another pair turned up. Um, and I think it was a house that had been seized some time ago or no, he actually made the order on Thursday. Mm-hmm. And these two gentlemen turned up, you know, an hour after that the hearing was over in their case. And, uh, and said, Judge, we're sorry the traffic, you know, and, and you know, I couldn't I couldn't yeah. find a solicitor north or south to help me out. And Judge just said, No, you can find a solicitor now and you can appeal it. So he wasn't he wasn't gonna rehear nice. the case. I mean even at that stage, I mean, why would you? I mean, the people who were involved, some of them I think were gone at that stage. There was different, you know, cab council involved. So I mean, but they they were the only two. So there was none of the there was none of the people that we've mentioned, like Stefan Saunders or, or or Dean Russell, yeah. hadn't on this occasion turned up. But they, they sometimes do, I think. Yes, and they sometimes do. Sometimes pe- people don't show up at all. The but. Gilligan ladies were were, were pretty, mm. you know, were, were pretty um, surefire. They seemed to enjoy the day out nearly or something. I don't know. But they were there a lot. And
1: I was in another day and uh, Butler DeVoy was in with his mother and there was a a application to, they had seized, I think, some money in a raid on his house or some sort of an arrest there was money and he was kind of going in to see if he could get it back but he hadn't to hope but his mother came in with him for the day and she was very chatty with me she was a very pleasant woman a, she gave him a bit of a nudge and said there's there is Nicola Talent." thanks
0: ma. and he wasn't too pleased I was not think so <laughs> it's always the way <laughs> Our mammies <laughs> dragged in, then the to give evidence that, yeah, no, that was that was the money my granny gave me that I passed on,
1: yeah. But he just he just didn't look so tough for that moment, you know, with his mother making a show of him. I suppose you every, know, we're all the same, really. And-
0: everyone has a mammy at some point, somewhere down the line,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, look. Was it a good day
0: for cab? Was it a good business day? Good yeah, For the Sunday world, I guess it was, yeah. It, it, like normally, I mean, Judge Jones is, is so quick. He, he can fly through stuff and you're you're done and dusted by 10 to 1. But like there, there was quite a lot of material. So it actually went on for two days and it was two full days. So I'm just putting in a, a a big expense claim now for having to sit in court for extra time, you know. <laughs> I know what you mean. I know what you mean.
1: OK, well, look, that's interesting anyway. That um, gives us a little bit of an idea of what these these lists are about, what sort of business has been done on a day to day basis. And maybe you're right. It probably isn't for the public, really, because it is complex. And oftentimes you or I even need to it, the, the details of it to be explained afterwards by some kindly lawyer who takes a bit of pity on you. Um, And many of them are very helpful and um, good with their time to just explain it. Um, But so that's that. And Cab is, I think, figures out there in the last couple of weeks. show they've had, you know, another bumper year and brought in millions and millions in cash and houses and jewellery and everything for the state um, they continue and remain
0: such a, a wonderful arm in the fight against organised crime. Yeah, I, th- I think it's certainly been one of the most effective pieces of legislation. I mean, you know, we, we spoke about it before after the recent sanctioning of the Kinnahan gang when we went on about Johnny Morrissey. And I mean, and all those kind of English criminals, English-based criminals and, you know, Dutch criminals who had kind of set up in Ireland in the mid-90s or earlier than that. I'm going to use, this would be the new Casa del Sol, like a Casa del crime in mm-hmm. the rain. And they just liked it they saw the writing on the wall. I mean, the likes of the Penguin and these guys, they just, they, they left, Barmer Kavanaugh left, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's been a really, it's been an effective, um, it's been an effective legislation, piece of legislation and an effective unit that seems to have been well run over the years. Maybe it could even be a bit bigger. I mean, I, like I, I have a great interest in some of the smaller cases, you know, the ones I, I mentioned to you where, I mean, I think we did one not so long ago on a money lender in, 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 um, in Kilrush, in Clare. And, You know, Mm. and and like, okay, it's a small town. It's not a big international drug dealer. But, you know, it's somebody who's, you know, a corrosive influence in in a small town, in a community. And I think I think it can be really effective in those things. And I think and I think they do have, you know, the local profilers that kind of look for, you know, um, targets that they can go after, you know, in that regard. And I think the the more they do that, the better. I mean, obviously, they need to keep going after the, the multimillionaire. Gangsters, but Mm -hmm. I think they need to keep going after the community based bullies as well. Absolutely. I mean, you know, when sometimes when the communities see the
1: the BMWs going off in the back of a truck or the houses being raided, that it just gives them a sense that they haven't been forgotten, these communities, when sometimes they feel they have. Um, So, look, Eamon Dillon, thank you very much. Thank you, Nicola. You've been listening to Crime World, a podcast from SundayWorld.com. Produced by Ian Mullaney and edited by me, Nicola Talent. Research assistant is Claude Amini. If you like this show and love true crime, leave us a review. Or why not download the free sundayworld.com app for lots more stories from Ireland and across the globe.